0: Greetings! Welcome to the first episode of the Guitar Smarts podcast. We are Matt and Kieran. We've been friends for many years. We are both what I would call working class guitarists. So we have normal day jobs, but we have spent many years gigging in wedding bands, function bands, pub and club bands, and we still love to play live. And this podcast is about analyzing our experiences, our desires as your average gigging musician, geeking out on the music tech, talking about our favorite music, artists and gigs. We want to invite some guests onto the podcast in the future also, so keep your eyes peeled for some upcoming guest interviews. This is a podcast made by guitarists, for guitarists and the gigging musician. Professionals, amateurs, beginners, all are welcome here. We're on social media too, so come and join our communities on Facebook and Instagram for more information. Give us a like, say hello, tell us what you think of the podcast, give us some ideas for show topics in the future as well. We're kicking off episode number one with a brief introduction about ourselves and then we're going to spend some time discussing one of our favourite topics, cheap gear. Never has there been a better time to get quality instruments, amps and other gear for such an inexpensive cost and we talk about our experience with cheap gear and some of our favourite items. Remember, if you like what you hear, subscribe to the podcast in your preferred podcast app so you don't miss a show. Anyway... Let's get to it.
1: Well, let's let's make a start. All right, mate. Let's introduce ourselves, I guess, for the first time. Yeah, so so we so we should we should give an intro of who we are, shouldn't we? Why, yes. Why we like talking Why, um, why we like talking about <laughs> guitars all the time? Who are we? Uh, so,
0: do you want to go first? Me yeah, to go first? I'll make a start. So, I'm Matt. I'm a and I've made a note here to specifically say that I'm a non-professional guitarist, not an amateur guitarist. <laughs> I think there's a (laughs) distinction between the the two. I'm a non-professional guitarist. I've been playing for about 25 years, um, and I would never really had a real um, intention to be a professional guitarist anyway. There was a period of time in my 20s when I thought, you know, I'm going to go and study music and become a professional guitarist, but uh, I realized it wasn't for me. I didn't want to do it. I enjoyed it too much to want to make a, a job out of it, you know. Hmm. So that's, you know, I've been playing for about 25 years. What inspired me to play? So the first thing I saw, which mm-hmm. fascinated me about a guitar, was in my dad's record collection he had, the Eric Clapton Slow Hand album, which just, yeah. it's just a picture yeah. of Blackie, yeah. the, the Strat, you know. I thought, oh, that looks incredibly cool. What is it? It's a guitar. And then that was around the time that Unplugged came out. So... Mm. Clapton and Unplugged and then From the Cradle were the two albums that made me want to play guitar. And that says a lot about my inspiration, I guess, as a guitarist and what kind of, you know, how I like to play and what are things I reference when I'm thinking about playing guitar. But since then, you know, 25 years later, my, um, you know, my influences are much more eclectic than that, I love a lot of different types of music, a lot of different styles, genres, ages old and new. Um, and I guess this, for me, is about having those conversations about music and, and about guitars and about equipment and everything that you want to geek about and talk about. Um, and that's, that's me,
1: I guess. I'm going to ask you more about that in a minute. Yeah, you I, I think, you're, I, think you're, I think you're being <laughs> modest. You, you've, you've been very you've been very modest, and having having played and gigged with you for for a number of years, um, there, there's a lot more underneath that that modest statement that you have <laughs> said. Uh, and I know having. Uh, spent many uh, a year gigging with you but then also chatting to you you know as we set up or between sets and things that you know this is this is a real passion for you and, and your your knowledge of the subject is great and you've got a, you know you've got a really nicely rounded view of of, of what it means to be a, a you know a performing musician as well as a, a good sensibility and very good technical knowledge about gear and things and we're, we're going to get into all of that at, at some point for sure um i mean for for me yeah similar right so i've been playing for 25 26 years um and i think it started for me as something where at school you had to pick an instrument and so for me that one seemed to be the coolest so i just chose it on that ground um and and nothing else and then realized quite quickly that um it was going to take some 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 effort and some hard work to try and Play the kind of things that um, I'd grown up listening to. Right, my house was filled with music growing up from my parents. My uh, although the, this wasn't the reason that I, that I wanted to, to to play guitar. It was just I had to pick an instrument. It wasn't until later years that I developed my own music taste. But um, and then you know it, I think after I've been playing for a couple of years and had some kind of basic classical guitar training, it was. I put down the guitar for a little bit and it wasn't until my early teenage years when I think the whole grunge scene started to hit and uh, Metallica's Black Album of all things came out that I was kind of inspired to pick the instrument up again and start to see if I could play some of it. And I remember sitting down with the tab book. So this is pre-YouTube, this is pre-internet. I think I might've had a copy of it on CD, but it might've been on, on tape. And in any case, I remember sitting down with this nylon string classical and, and spending months basically learning Metallica's Black Album from a tab book and, and with a hi-fi on a, a nylon string classical guitar. And that kind of, for me, showed me that this was something that I was really into because trying to do that was quite hard work. Yeah. Um, and then, it, and then it just went from there. After that, I was, I was hooked. I was addicted, and I started to develop my own music taste and get into different guitar heroes and people's style that I liked. And, um, and then I think that background of growing up in a house filled with music and my dad's taste of, you know, Hendrix and Clapton and Queen and all of that started to – Santana, huge – my dad's a huge Santana fan. That started to kind of play a role in, in what I started to get into on, on guitar – um I worked in guitar shops growing up. Uh, soon after that, I, I started to get into the real geeky side of it. And that's where my love of um kind of repairing, setting up and trying to understand the technical side of how a guitar is put together and how it functions um kind of came about is working in guitar shops and spending time with uh, you know, guitar techs um and and watching uh these you know uh, it was one particular individual um who owned this music shop who really schooled me in that and and you know um and then got into gigging and and, and you know it's it's something that is a huge part of my life and, and a passionate part of my life. And it's wonderful to, you know, to be able to, in, in now adult years have that ability to, to go out and play when we can and also collect gear and, uh, and, and keep learning about it. That's the thing mm. that you can, you, there's so much to, to learn. Um, in terms of gear technology music theory setting setting up instruments and collecting them so yeah that's that's kind of my story yeah. there's always something shiny and new isn't there? oh there always <laughs> is there always is there always is um, cool so we we thought today uh, it would be a good chance to sit down and focus on one particular topic which i know we speak a lot about as well which is um how to get really great sound from sometimes really affordable gear mm. and and it's you know the, the title of what we've tried to talk about today is you know what is the best cheap gear that we own and do you want to kick us off as to, as to as to where we want to start how do we want to start talking about this do we want to talk, talk about guitars Do we want to talk about amps pedals the whole thing i think because it's
0: it's it's a it's a fun subject definitely because especially now, right, there's so much stuff out there that is really affordable, that is really worth a look, you know. Mm. And we've said before how, like, when when I was starting out on guitar, it was difficult to kind of find affordable equipment, Mm. you know, that was good. Um, I started off on, so the the first thing I'm going to mention is the Yamaha Pacifica. That was the first, it wasn't my first electric guitar, but it was the first electric guitar I had that really, for me, felt like something different to what I'd had previously. Mm -hmm. My first guitar that I learned on was like a 30-pound Argos or Index, I think it was, I don't know if you remember Index. Index I was do. like Argos. Yeah, you remember Index? So it was like 30-pound yeah. classical acoustic that came yeah. with steel strings. And after my yeah. second guitar lesson, the neck on it collapsed forward. Right. And my guitar teacher at the time, who was a really good tech, his name was Chris Sanderson. He fixed it and put nylon strings on it and glued it and clamped it, and he gave it back to me in my next lesson. And that's still at my mom and dad's house now, 20-odd years right. later. I can still play it. Still got the original strings on it. Um, but that was an awful instrument, but it was enough for me to <laughs> learn. For the first, I'd say three to six months. Mm. Um, and then then I got like this Chavelle, Charvette electric guitar, which is a classic instrument now, but it was like mm. cheap, cheap electric. He recommended I got it. He saw secondhand in, in this Manchester guitar shop. And then a couple of years later, I traded it in and bought a new Yamaha Pacifica with a maple neck actually. Uh, and I had that for years. I gigged with that as well for years. I refinished
1: it a couple of times, did all kinds of messing around with it. Didn't it have that natural kind of uh, finish on it? did, it all the did originally. Have like a, like a yeah. natural, oil, almost oiled or waxed yes, kind of that's finish. that's
0: right. And it did, it did originally have that. And then in the mid-90s, Clapton brought out this um, live album, live video of him gigging at Hyde Park. He was playing his Clapton signature Strat, but it was the first time he had it in this like Mercedes blue color nice. um yeah. really nice color and i reached i tried to refinish my <laughs> pacifica a similar color i didn't do a great yeah. job of it um yeah. but it, i you know i was it was fun to do it so that was the first time i'd ever taken a guitar apart kind of your so first mod was that your first mod my first ever pacifica. mod
1: yeah <laughs> so like, i remember what i remember when the pacifica came out Mm. and um, I think that was uh, uh, at least in the uk and you know the age you would have been you know kind of early teenage years maybe um, I think that was quite a defining moment um, and I remember when the Pacifica came onto the market because I think it was the first time where people recognized that you could make a really really good electric guitar at an affordable price mm-hmm. because prior to that there wasn't a huge amount of like uh, was it sub 200 quid when it came out it was th- sub 200 I think, it, I think
0: i paid something like 179 pounds yeah, from then. yeah something like that yeah it which was, was definitely sub 200
1: yes yeah. unheard of at the time for a, for a, for a good uh, uh, playing instrument you know at the time for us growing up, if we wanted you know you could get you could get your Fender Strats and there was probably Mexican versions or or you know equivalent cheaper versions to the American standard kicking around and there were certainly the epiphone Les Pauls and things um which um, were probably back then going for three four hundred quid at least, but they were considered really decent guitars and you know growing mm-hmm. up at that time you know you you couldn't afford a Gibson, even though the Gibson Les Pauls back then the american ones uh, I think the classics were going for like a sub a thousand pounds back then uh, yeah. um and the standards were probably just a smidge over over a grand mm-hmm. um but when that when that pacifica came out that was that kind of opened up a, a, you know um the electric guitar to to a different you know uh, budget uh, range uh, for people because y- it was almost unheard of to get such a good electric guitar. So I think Yamaha nailed it at that point and really it was showed... It a great guitar. It was. Mm. It, all the guitar mags went crazy for it. I played I played uh, uh, at the school we had. I think the school bought a couple of them and they were kicking around in the music room and um, they were brilliant. Really, yeah. really great guitars. Really great guitars. Well, the thing is,
0: the thing is you kind of... You... I bought it because I could afford it. It was something yeah. new that was more like a normal strat because the guitar mm-hmm. I had at the time, that Charvet, was more like a super strat. You know, it only had, it had two pickups, single coil in the neck, humbucker at the bridge. It had a Floyd Rose, um, like a crackle paint, you know, finish. It was a mad looking guitar. It was really great to learn on because it was easy to play. But mm-hmm. I wanted something more traditional. Uh, I'd been playing for a couple of years. I was getting pretty good at that age, probably about fourteen. So I'd saved up a little bit of money, like pocket money, and um, and I sold that Chavelle to a mate of my brother's actually, who was um, you know playing guitar at the time and was into kind of heavy metal and stuff. He loved it. He gave me like a hundred quid for it, and yeah, and then I got this Pacifica, and it was it was a step up for me. It felt like a step up, but going back to you know why. You know, why is that still a relevant guitar? And I'd have another one of those now. It's still a good yeah. guitar because yeah. it does represent good value for money to have guitars like that to get, you know, to, to buy instruments that are sub 200 quid now because they're so well made. They're still really good from a learner's point of view. Mm. But I think mm. it's, still really, it's still a relevant instrument to have in your arsenal even, even if you're an experienced guitarist. You know, there's, there's still a quality instrument, well-made, good sound. Um, and it's the kind of thing I would say is good. If you're, if you're a gigging guitarist, gigging on a weekly basis, that's a good guitar to have as a backup. You know, if you're if at a gig and you've got your Fender Strat as your first guitar and you want to take something with you as a backup, a Pacifica is an ideal guitar for that. So that's like, yeah. that's, that's my starting point for, for kind of, you know, a discussion point around good value instruments or good value kit. Yamaha Pacifica's been around for 20 odd years and it's still one of the best value guitars you can get, I
1: think, outside of the- So business. what What happened to your one? Did you keep it? Have you still, you've still got it somewhere or, or, or you sold it? Do you know what? I can't remember. <laughs> wow. So it could, <laughs> I, be, it, could, it, could, it could be at your parents'
0: house somewhere. Or you, could you it could be, and... it might be in the loft. It might be in the loft. How much? Wow. Um, um, yeah, I haven't played it for a long time, um, but that that is, you know, that that, that was a really great guitar. So sorry to interrupt this super interesting conversation. However, if you've made it this far, you should probably subscribe to the Guitar Smarts podcast. You can do that in your favorite podcast app. Go and do that now and then come back to the show. Let's get back to it. I guess now if you're kind of playing guitar, you've got there's a lot of information about mm. all the other things, effects and amps, and multi-effects pedals, all kinds of accessories and kits and things like that. I kind of feel a little bit lucky that I grew up at a time playing guitar at a time where you can only really get all that information through magazines. So you're kind of spoon fed, you know, now I can go and read two, three years worth of magazines information in one minute, you know, on music radar or some other website. So you are kind of bombarded, I guess, with all these options. If you're just learning and starting out now, as back then, I, I went through the whole stage of learning and getting pretty good at guitar before I realized there were so many options for other things you can get, like effects, pedals, and, and
1: I I relate to what you're saying actually because I I there's 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 massive advantages of having the uh, accessibility to to kind of YouTube and online resources now and how technology and the affordability of that technology has moved on but I, I relate exactly to what you're saying i I found it quite a nice way to be able to um like incrementally build my knowledge back then mm-hmm. because you know multi effects pedals and things like that were only in their infancy really yeah. you, you know the the touring guys had the big kind of rack mount things and you knowasis and stuff like that mm-hmm. all, all but again that wasn't really practical for a for a young kid gigging in a band but mm-hmm. then the you know uh pedals started to to come out but multi-effects units from the likes of zoom and boss and, and companies like that started mm-hmm. to come out and it was a nice kind of introduction to start accessing yeah. all of this stuff i can imagine now if you're if you're setting out it must be quite daunting the, the, the plethora of of technology pedals guitars amps available yeah. to kind of go where do i where do i even begin we we didn't have as much uh choice or variety within, within, you know, certain price brackets when we were starting out. So you kind of nicely built it in an incremental way that then made sense. Um, at least that's how I feel about it. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it was a slower rate of progression. Maybe people starting out today, um, you know, have an acceler- accelerated way of learning all of this technology and, and gear because, you know, there's so much available now. I don't know. Mm.
0: Yeah, definitely. Well, actually, funny enough, I didn't even have a guitar amp until I first started gigging. Um, and Roadrunner the band that we used to be in that was my first mm. ever gig you know I'd been playing mm. guitar for you know um, probably a good 15 years at that point and I'd never really been in anything more than a bedroom guitarist up at that point even after study oh. you know, even when I was yeah. studying music for for a few years I was playing live with students but I was never in a band um, and whenever we were playing live with students we were using like the college's equipment you know, got you. for amps and stuff. So I, I grew up with a, I had a little 10 watt practice amp when I was starting, and then after a couple of years, not long after I got the Yamaha Pacifica, I got this Korg mm. multi-fx unit. Mm.
1: Um
0: and that was what I played through for, forever, you know. And then when I got the Gig with Roadrunner, I bought a and this is the second kind of budget bit of kit that for me was amazing. I got this Tech 21 um, Trademark 60 amplifier, mm. which was a mm. transistor amplifier, not an expensive bit of kit at all. It was 60 watt, perfectly giggable, uh, two channel. Kind of had like a vintage voiced mm. channel that was more cleany kind of Fendery, and then a more um, British voiced high gain channel. I just used the, the the Fendery kind of channel the whole time, and that was my gigging amp for years nothing else you know and it sounded fantastic it was a really great it's very kind of you know um, traditional valve kind of sounding but it wasn't a valve amp it was super reliable super lightweight um, and that was a really great amplifier and I I was gigging with uh, an Epiphone Les Paul and that I I was gigging with a sub 500 pound rig you know for years and and loved it you know was, I was, that was amazed really that good.
1: Tech Twenty One wasn't wasn't a valve amp when I first heard it. It it, it really was you know a great sounding amp, um, for not not for a solid state amp, just full stop. It was a great great sounding amp and really yeah. really good piece of equipment. Well, kit. Tech Twenty
0: One were renowned and still are I guess for the kind of preamp technology. You know, a lot of bassists and a lot of studios still use a lot of Tech Twenty One equipment. Uh, okay. For their preamps and DI's and things like that, and they were really, really great on that area of technology of solid mm-hmm. state, um, you know, preamplification technology. So that the trademark series, I think, was one of the first forays into the guitar amplification market where they applied the knowledge in, you know, preamp technology, and man, really worked. And uh, I had that amp for a long time. It's not so long ago that I traded in actually. You know, only three or four years ago, I think, mm. I traded it in maybe even less um, for another cheap amp. I've always bought cheap stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I've never had anything expensive, really, for a mixture of, a mixture of um, you know, not having the resources to, not wanting to go into debt. And... Um, not need, not being able to justify. I mean, I, mm. I'm not, I've never been a professional guitarist, so in my mind, I've always been, oh, how can I justify spending so much money on something that for me is almost gratuitous in that sense? You know, if mm. it, to me, it's just a... I know it's silly. I should treat myself from time to time. But still, I've always kind of thought uh, I'm a little bit tight, but also I can't, if, if I can't justify it, what can I justify? And then, you know, actually now as we've discussed before the options in the kind of the budget market are so great anyway yeah and I'm kind of i've always been yeah. kind of like well i could have like you know for the cost of an expensive thing i can have three or four budget things and still really enjoy them you know
1: it's a i balance, would love to me? hear you play through a really expensive rig <laughs> So would I <laughs> I really yeah because yeah. uh, I've only ever heard you play through modest stuff, and you know I'm not blowing a smoke up your ass you're an incredible player you've you've had you know uh you you you've 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 worked on your chops and you've got you've got a great natural feel and you play really well, but for me, you know it embodies that that thing that I always talk about, which is if you if you've if you've practiced hard and you've got you know good musical sensibility about you, you can sound good on even you know m- modest. Mm. Uh, mm. Gear, right? It doesn't have to to cost a fortune. Um, I've seen plenty of players uh, over the years uh, who have got the opposite, which is they've got phenomenal gear, really expensive stuff, but not necessarily the 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 feel, or haven't invested enough in their mm. practicing or playing to mm. uh, you know to get to the standard that you are, right? And mm. um, and that and that's fine. They're they're on their own kind of musical journey as well, but. I I, I I wonder what you would sound like through like a, a 10 grand rig <laughs> <laughs> i i don't de- you know and you know what my hypothesis is is um i think i think you i, I i'm not sure you would sound or uh, make any uh more of an impact than you do on your modest gear because mm. it's it's an attitude and it's uh and it's a a, a knowledge to, to to make more inexpensive gear sound good by dialing yeah. it in correctly by f- spending time figuring out how to um, utilize what you've got you know mm-hmm. the 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 tone knobs on your guitar the the volume knobs on your guitar what an amp can do what it can't do and dialing yeah. it in and then f- you know using it to the best of its ability whereas you know, I've been guilty of this myself, buying really expensive gear, but then just kind of expecting it to do everything for you yeah. rather than investing the time to actually dial it in and make it work you yeah. know, to, to its whereas, full Where Whereas I've uh, kind of felt of like I've, I've been a little bit
0: forced down that path by not right. having the resources to get everything that yeah. I, you know, I would have liked. Um, so you, you do learn to kind of um, manipulate more what mm-hmm. you have and that mm. and that develops your, your touch and your feelings as a player. That develops your so. sensibilities. You know, I think there's a lot to be said for having, you know, racks and shelves and things full of equipment and all kinds mm. of kit, and knowing that at your fingertips you've got all these different sounds and tools. But that I don't think that necessarily helps a guitarist that's learning to develop the feel and touch and the uh, abilities to. Um, you know, to to kind of extend their own capabilities Mm. rather than to rely on the sounds of other things, you know, other tools. Um, But I guess there's some guitarists that have made a career out of that, you know, thinking of Edge Mm. from U2, Mm. you know, whose sound is almost entirely, you know, based on, I'm sure some people would argue it isn't, but his sound is almost entirely based on, you know, the interaction between what he plays and the delay effects that he uses yeah. to create, yeah. you know, these patterns and things like that. But that's which is that an is art cool. form in that itself, cool, right? Yeah. And
1: and it's a style of playing in itself. But yeah. for for me, I was never somebody that was massively into huge amount of effects. I um, for a period in my teenage years, and through the, the the grunge kind of phase, yes, there were certain little effects that that I liked, but mostly it was me going out with a uh, a modestly priced Marshall, a Les Paul, and mm-hmm. and a wah pedal, mm-hmm. and and some reverb, and that that was that was enough um, yeah. to play in the kind of rock bands um, that I, that I was in. In later years, as I started to get more into blues and. Um, more into clean, clean tones and, and, uh, then, you know, experimenting with single core guitars and, uh, more more laterally into valve amps and, and things like that. That's, that's kind of, that's, that's been a lot of fun as well, but for, yeah, for many years gigging, it was a Mm. very simple setup and not an expensive setup and just figuring out how to get the best out of it. Mm. Um, and and making cheap gear work for you so yeah i think i think the kind of the lesson is is that you can always aspire and buy more gear and and save up for the expensive stuff and, and it's lovely to own and it's lovely to play but you know don't don't be put off by trying to make cheap gear work for you because i've got some cheap stuff in my rig now mm. um which is brilliant and and I and i don't keep it um, you know, because I'm afraid to spend the money on the more expensive stuff. I cheap it. I keep it because it's really good, and I really <laughs> yeah, like the sound exactly. of it. And I, and, I, and, I, and I don't feel I need to buy uh, mm-hmm. the, the more expensive version uh, mm. or you know anything different. Yeah, and I, I, I'm also kind of
0: um, I, I, I think I'm, I'm part of me is glad that I'm not spoiled by it. You know, mm. like having something really expensive that you know this is is the you know, the best it can be. You know, if I had a really expensive two, three, four thousand pound guitar that was just perfect, then I worry that anything less than that would feel you know, wouldn't feel good to to play anymore. Whereas yeah, you know, now, you know, the guitars I have are pretty much the most expensive guitars I've ever owned and they're all, you know, five hundred quid guitars. And yeah. I don't feel like when I play them that I'm missing out on something. I don't feel like no. I'm missing out on a better quality instrument because I'm not no. spoiled by something. And I also don't no. feel like when I've, when I've gigged, anybody's ever gone, well, you know, I'm a great guitarist, but should have a better guitar. Uh, nobody's mm-hmm. ever thought that, you know, yeah, except maybe other guitarists who, <laughs> who are snobs about this kind of thing. I think cheap gear, affordable gear is perfectly usable,
1: giggable in professional situations, even, you know? Absolutely. It's about the sound that comes out of it. I mean, I have got some of those really expensive guitars, a few of them, and they are lovely to play and they do sound really nice. But I think for me, they, they can often be a distraction as well to what mm. you're trying to do with your playing because you end up spending more time thinking about the guitar yeah. that you're playing yeah. and kind of analyzing it and Mm -hmm. um or even worrying about it in terms of you know taking it out and gigging it that it that it serves as a distraction maybe that's just because i'm not wealthy enough to not care (laughs) but (laughs) it's like i've saved up for these and i've bought them so now i'm worried about you know damaging or losing them or, or, or just you know getting distracted by the by the thing itself when i'm playing it whereas the cheaper stuff, or or mid-range stuff, we keep using the word cheap, and it's the word in itself actually yeah. is uh, almost is a bit insulting, isn't it? Because it kind inexpensive, of implies I think is better, in, right? Inexpensive, exactly, yeah. inexpensive I think is the word because, yeah. um, you know, I think for you know three four hundred pounds, there's some brilliant guitars out there, and I play mm-hmm. I play and own some of those, and and do so on a regular basis, and I've also got some guitars that are like sub three hundred pounds. Which I love playing, and yeah. they're great. They're really good fun, and uh, so let's let's do some more examples. So let me give you an example. What what is one that I've bought? So, um, I I wanted to get a guitar with the kind of PRS uh, style scale length on it, just to experiment with that, and um, I bought from Tom Ann this um, uh, PRS style uh, guitar, uh, this double cutaway uh thing i don't think there's any way to get around the fact that um it's basically been (laughs) designed to be a complete knockoff of a (laughs) prs se or custom 24 or whatever you want to call it. it it looks identical right uh and it cost i think including delivery uh 180 quid or something silly it's madness isn't it it's madness it's a brilliant guitar it is really really good honestly it i was surprised at how good it is in terms of the overall build quality and uh finishing of it um and and how fun it is to play uh it needed a decent setup um for sure yeah um but after i'd done that It's a really great guitar, but I would have no issue about taking out to a jam night or, or having as a second guitar at a gig. Um, Yeah, absolutely. Can I play devil's
0: advocate? If you were to look really, really closely at it, what would you
1: criticise? Okay, that's a good question. So, uh, plenty of things. Right, if if I look at it with a critical eye Mm -hmm. uh, to compare it to a real PRS, because yeah. That's probably how I would look to critique it. If I if I if I didn't know what it was based on, I would mm-hmm. I would I wouldn't have as much points to to critique it on, right? Mm-hmm. So if I look at it, first thing you notice is that it's it's tried to replicate those really heavily flamed maple tops mm-hmm. that you see on PRS. That PRS are famed for that are beautiful bits of wood, and 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 they just pop. This one it looks like an approximation of that. it's, it's not quite got that premium mm-hmm. finish but then again it was a 180 quid guitar so i'm amazed that it looks as good as it does yeah. considering <laughs> the price point so um if i was critical about it you know it uh, i was amazed that the fret ends were so smooth and, and and well finished when i got it i was expecting to have to kind of um you know sort all of that out but but, but it was fine I was expecting that the electronics on it would be really ropey and the pickups would be cheap and and not great sounding. They're not, they're airy. Uh, They're, they're, they're nice. Um, I, I, I don't think it coil splits, um, as well as a, as a real PRS, the single tone, single coil tones on it are, are good, but they're not, they're not amazing. It's okay. It's passable. But again, a bit of, uh, you know, some new pickups and some upgraded wiring could, could solve that. Um, it It is a budget guitar, and there's no getting around that, but I think it's a budget guitar that you would put at a price point of around three to 400 pounds, not, not 180 quid. Mm. Um, so I think you know, if I was being really critical about it, I would say you can see where the money has been saved to bring it in at that price point. It could have a better set of machine heads on it. Um, it could have a, a nicer nut on it than the plastic nut that it does have. Um, mm. It's got a Wilkinson Trem on it, which is actually a really decent piece of hardware. It's set up really nicely. That's about half the buy price there, isn't it? <laughs> do, you, do you know what I mean? It's really nice? a aren't cheap. Yeah. Right? I mean, you
0: know, yeah. they're used in a lot of high-end guitars
1: exactly you know. and, and the pickups, even what I've said about how they, how they, how, they, how they split when you tap into them with the the, the push pull stuff it they're still really decent they're not muddy, they're not lacking kind of uh dynamic kind of you know feel when you when you play them mm. um, it's It's really good honestly i at the price that it is, I struggle to to critique it um if well, if, if I'm honest i
0: think. The, the key thing there is that the guitar that it's emulating is an order of magnitude more expensive, right? But is it sure. an order of magnitude less of a guitar? Than... Exactly. And it no. isn't, is it? And I think that no. that's, the, that's the other thing. When we talk about kind of value in expensive equipment is it's not just the fact that it's more attainable, um, but it's you do get diminishing returns the more you spend, I think. There's some, Definitely. some bits of kit that... You know, are uh, you know they're clearly the reason they're so expensive, the reason they cost so much is, you know, is clear. And there's nothing like them. You know, you you think about things like Dumble amplifiers or mm. you know certain vintage things that you know are just unattainable. Clearly, you can't compare some things with you know, you know. Not everything's apples for apples, but but that, that's that's the key thing for me with um, inexpensive equipment is you get a vibe of something for such a, a fraction of the cost and sometimes that vibe is enough to you know kind of satisfy what you want really isn't it it's you know if yeah. you want to like you said if you wanted a prs style guitar you don't have to go out and spend you know, you know i mean the proper prs guitars start at about 1800 mm-hmm. quid anyway i think yeah below yeah. that it's, it's the s2 series or the sc sc SE series and even the s e series is is kind of top end Epiphone money
1: yeah
0: um so yeah it's it's interesting it's interesting you know th- what about things like amps and and pedals you know are you are you in this do you, have you kind of dabbled with you know the inexpensive stuff
1: there as well yeah i mean i don't i don't think i've ever uh i've ever owned um <clears throat> a really expensive um amps or pedals in 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 any case i mean my Mm. my main gigging amp now is a 40 watt fender blues deluxe which i've had modded with upgraded speakers uh, upgraded speaker um because the stock eminent speaker that it comes with was very very brittle very harsh um so I've, i've replaced it with a uh, a cannabis Rex speaker, which is rounded out, giving it much more warmth and and low end punch, and taking off that that harshness, and and it's got upgraded and and rebiased valves in it, and that's that's a brilliant amp. But I mean, mm. that, that's what that's sub a sub a thousand quid, yeah, even after exactly. the mods that I've done to it. It's probably an eight nine hundred quid amp, mm-hmm. and and I love it. It does it does everything I need it to. I've got a little kind of. Uh, mod that I've plugged into it as well that allows me to <clears throat> kind of add a master volume to it so I can play it, at, so I can push the front end of it quite hard, but then yeah. um, not have ear-piercing ear- volumes, um, you know, for home use or even even kind of uh, rehearsal use and stuff like that. So that's not an expensive amp in any case. Um, but it, I, I would say, you know, it's it's not a cheap amp at, at, mm. at, at the best part of a grand. Um, and pedals, yeah, I mean, I've got... Some, you know, I've got a uh, Ibanez uh, Tube Screamer 808. I've got, you know, I've got rat pedals and, and a bunch of boss stuff. Um, some some nice, uh, I've got a few nice pedals as well. Um, MXR pedals, love pedals um, that, that are more expensive, you know, 100 quid mm. to 200 quid uh, pedals. But I've also got a bunch of really... Um, cheap pedals, mm-hmm. and I I think pedals is an area to really experiment with, and that whole pedal market at the moment is exploding massively in terms of um, like clones or, mm-hmm. or, or, or you know of of different more expensive yeah. boutique pedals, and they're getting so close yeah, uh, to I the know. original thing where you just go, wow, it's
0: you know it's that um, philosophy again, isn't it? Of of the, that PRS Star guitar you've got, it's got UA vibe of something it's yeah. a lot more expensive and i think that's the same with with pedals you know you can buy stuff that is i mean i one of, i'm a big fan of tc electronic stuff mm-hmm. of their mm-hmm. pedals because um, they do some really good stuff and obviously they're a very well-renowned um company uh, that does some fantastic effects but um you know other than in fact on my board at the moment i've got the orange terra stamp amplifier which I think sounds great, but the main reason I got it is because it's small and lightweight, Mm -hmm. and I don't have to carry a heavy amp around. Uh, But everything else, I've only got three pedals on my board other than that, and it's a a Ditto Looper TC Electronic. That's a great pedal. I've got got the Spark Mini Boost, which is just a single knob boost pedal. That was only like, that was sub 50 quid. Um, And the thing I love about it is, one, it's a really great clean boost pedal. There's Mm -hmm. loads of, of gain in it. so Really easy to push front end of an amp, but the other cool thing about it is it's got this momentary thing. So if I if I click it on, obviously like any other pedal, it stays on. You click it off, and it goes off. Um, but if you if you hold it down for more than a second, the boost comes on, but then it goes off as soon as you've taken your foot off the pedal again. So if you're playing like.
1: Ah. Like, like
0: I do quite a lot, I have done over the last few years where yeah. I'm the only guitarist in a yeah. band and you yeah, need yeah, every yeah. so often to just have a quick lift and yeah. to drop back down again. I don't need to yeah. stamp twice. I can just yeah. rest on the pedal, get a quick yeah. boost and then take my foot off. It. And that's a really cool feature you know Johnny
1: Be Good is the is the yeah. real song that requires that if you're playing it as one guitarist in a band where yeah. you're holding the rhythm section down but every now and again you want to punctuate those kind of little Chuck Berry licks through exactly. it to just cut cut through the mix that, exactly. that's a really cool uh, just need really to
0: lean cool on it and then lean off of it you don't need to keep yeah. click click that's click, great click. that I is a really that. cool little feature that's in a pedal that I think now retails for about 39 quid which pedal's um, that again? it's the TC Electronic, I think it's the Mini Spark Boost. So they do a Spark Boost, which is like a... It's got a full three-band EQ on it, as well as different voicing switches. And even that one's still pretty cheap. Sub-100 quid retail, I think. And the Spark Mini Boost is, you know, the classic mini pedal sizes that you get.
1: Yes, yeah, yeah, I've got
0: a few there. It's well worth the money. I mean, I think if if you're in the market for just a a cheap boost pedal, just to give Mm. yourself a volume boost, either into an amp or out of another pedal... Yeah. Um, it's, it's a no-brainer for me because it's just really simple to use. Yeah. Um, and the other thing I've got is, because that orange um, amp doesn't have reverb, I've just got uh, a TC Electronic Sky Surfer reverb, which is just like mm. a spring, hall, or a plate reverb pedal. And that's from the Board range of pedals, which is, <laughs> the, I think they're all sub-50 quid. Um yeah. but they've got everything. There's different fuzzes, you've got different delays, analog delays, digital delays, there's reverbs, shimmer reverbs, phasers, choruses, and yeah. they all sound superb. And I was thinking that if you were kind of like a Um if you were a gigging guitarist, but maybe, you know, kind of like I've been in the past where you kind of you're still an amateur, really. It's not my day job. It's never been my day job to be a guitarist. Mm. I've just done some wedding gigs and some pub gigs and stuff, and I needed a particular sound. I'd I'd never go out and buy, you know, like a 200-pound boutique pedal to get a particular sound. I'd I'd go to that TC Electronic range and find the closest thing for 20 or 30 quid. And they're built so well. They're in proper steel cases Mm. or aluminium Mm. cases and some really nice design features, like um, all the connections are on the top. So you can get pedals closer together. So if you want to get yes. more pedals on your board, it's easier because the connections are on the top rather than the sides. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So you don't idea. lose a lot of floor space to your jack connectivity between right. between pedals. Um, they're really well designed pedals. They're, they're they're based on classic sounds as well. So they're quite um, they're quite upfront about hey, you know this this pedal's based on a tube screen with type sound, mm. or this one's based on you know, a classic kind of dimension chorus from the 80s, you know, they're they're not kind of hiding that they're taking inspiration from other things, but that helps set an expectation for what you're going to get, I think. And it's not a big investment to say, well, do you know, even if it's just for one gig, you know what, this couple, they want their first dance to be this song, and it's really important that 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 song has a chorus guitar part, and I don't have a chorus pedal. Well, I'm not going to go out and buy... Some boutique thing, I'm just going to get and spend 30 quid on a TC electronic you know smorgasbord board chorus, and you know what for one song, everyone's gonna be happy. Nobody's gonna be looking at me going, "Hey, why haven't you got like an original boss c one on your oh, board
1: God. No, one, no one no one apart can. from the uber geek guitarist is gonna know that mm. I, and i, I mean, you do love a minimal board, I must say more i yeah. I'm not a huge user of like loads of effects at one time, but I like a little bit more um options on my board. So I, I as a standard on my board I will always have uh, a wah pedal uh, mm-hmm. and tuner. I will always have a chorus and delay um mm-hmm. as standard. Most of the amps that I've used over the years have got reverb built in, but I have just put a reverb a small little mini mm-hmm. uh, reverb pedal on my on my board just just to experiment with that as well. Um Uh, that would probably go in and off the board depending on on how I feel. But chorus, delay, um, a a wah pedal and and, and a tuner will always be there. And then it will be, then what I'll rotate out um, and and mess around with is is, is the different drive pedals and um, kind of experiment um, there with different combinations, different kind of gain stacking of of drive pedals. Mm -hmm. Oh, and a boost pedal as well. I do have a boost pedal... Uh, that I use to boost for solos and things like yeah. that um, uh, which sits kind of towards the end of the signal chain as well um, so I'll always uh, that that for me gives me a lot of versatility to be able to play most function band or pub band kind of sets and and approximate those those sounds as you know anything mm. weird and wonderful like phases or kind of flanges and things like that then yes I'm 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 I would be in that situation where I'd be like, right, if there's a particular song, then I might just need to either pull out a multi effects unit or buy a cheap pedal just to, to, to get, yeah. get through that gig.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Something more utilitarian that's there to yeah. serve sort of a purpose rather than because you're inspired by sound or whether it's the best of a particular thing. You know, oh, do I need a flangeable? What's the best? Out there. I'll go and try a lot of different. And for me, it's more about. I've always been more about um, the general vibe that something brings. You know, like yeah, it's it's more about um, a connection you make with the sound that you're, you that you have, and and how you want that to kind of um, influence your playing at the time. You know, like like a wire pedal. You know, I don't have to have a vintage wire pedal. If I have something, I still want to play a Voodoo Child. And you know, or maybe some funk stuff, it's going to make me feel like I'm in that kind of vibe. So, you know, the the more kind of sprinkles of things, you know, it's it's more for me about the guitar and the amp, and the pedals are just something in between that help facilitate other places you want to get to. They're not so important to me. And I think even if if I could afford more expensive guitars, more expensive amplifiers, I still don't think I would spend more money on pedals. I'd still go for you know, budget things or cheaper
1: things. Um, I agree with that. I think the the diminishing I think the diminishing returns thing is definitely uh, the, the threshold for that is 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 a lot lower with pedals, right? Because I think the the cheaper, more affordable pedals that are coming out um, that are trying to emulate or approximate or be clones of the expensive boutique pedals are getting mm-hmm. so close now mm-hmm. uh, that especially in a live setting, in a mix with a band, um, mm-hmm. it's, you know, some of them, you wouldn't, it's it's definitely not, in my opinion, worth spending the extra two, 300 pounds unless you have idolized that pedal and, and it, you know, you have to own it here's a question for you. Where, where would you, so we're talking about cheap gear and we're talking about uh, or, or what we should said was inexpensive gear. Where would you spend more of your money on your experience? So mm-hmm. would you put more into uh, if you, if you had like a grand to spend on getting a setup up rig to get you mm-hmm. out and gigging, where, where would you put more of it into? Would you put it into the guitar? Would you put it into the, the amp? Or, or would you, would you, you know, use that equally across guitar amp and, and pedals? What do you think amp. makes the biggest difference? Amp, definitely. I agree with you. I,
0: I definitely think the amp. I think you can, you know, given the quality of what you can get in a guitar these days, you can spend. I, I mean, I'd probably go and spend like three hundred quid on a guitar, mm-hmm. six hundred quid on the amp, and yep. a, and, a, and a couple of couple of cheap pedal. I mean, like I said, that, that TC electronic range for, you know, for a hundred quid, you could probably get three or four pedals. Yeah. Um, but the amp is so important, I think, because that reacts, you know, to your playing so much. And a good amp is, I think a good amp is better sounding, but less forgiving Mm. on your playing. Um, and I think if you're developing as a guitarist and you want to get better. The the two things you need more than any piece of equipment is, one to play with other people, because mm-hmm. nothing develops your playing like playing with other people, and yeah. two is is a is, is a, a an amplifier that's revealing of your playing. You know something that really makes you hear what it is you sound like and yeah. what it is you need to work on. You know, 'cause a yeah. a cheap amplifier will still I mean I have a cheap amp that orange stamp was hundred and fifty quid, but I'm past the point of worrying about, you know, whether an amp is gonna help me get better as a guitarist. You know, I just want something that's lightweight and sounds decent enough for my ears and that really does. Um But if I was yeah, if I had a grand to to, to buy everything I needed, um, I'd spend the majority of it on an amplifier, I think. And that's coming from the viewpoint of a developing guitarist i think what about you
1: same question i I agree with you but it's taken me a a, a long time to get to that realization Mm. um i i always thought it would would be about the guitar and i thought Mm. and i think a lot of beginners um may fall into this kind of trap or even even more you mm, know experienced players um that you know, and, and there's a logic to it, right? Because the guitar is what you're physically holding; it's what you connect yeah. with; it's generating the signal that goes into the amp. And therefore, yeah. you know, if the guitar sounds good, then the amp is just going to replicate that. So let's spend more money mm-hmm. on on the guitar. Um, and I think now where guitar manufacturing is, the availability of really well-made instruments. Um, you know, in the three to 400 pound price range and the fact that you can do inexpensive mods to, uh, you know, a budget guitar platform of 300 Mm to 400 quid Mm -hmm. put in a set of, you know, uh, inexpensive but really great sounding iron gear pickups which Mm. will run you like 35 quid a pickup um uh, but sound incredible um or change the machine heads on it or 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 just get it set up so it plays in a way that doesn't you know limit or fight against you and and is a Mm -hmm. is a joy to play i think you can achieve that really easily as a as a beginner guitarist for you know 400 quid and have something that you will cherish and love and um can continue to tweak and mod um and save up for the really expensive dream guitar if you want that costs you know two grand but you know beyond that point i'm uh, it's definitely kind of diminishing returns i think the amp having played you know a lot of solid state amps over the years a lot of marshall stuff uh, then you know experimenting with what those amps actually do and how it changes the way you play I think it makes a much bigger difference um and and it also makes a difference as to when you exactly to your point when you put it in a band context and want to try and cut through and sit well in a mix and be sympathetic to the rest of the band sound I think the amp has a much greater ability to give you that tone and give you the feedback as a guitarist that you want that encourages you to play. So. Uh, one amp that springs to mind for me um, is, is the blues junior. I, I, that was a revelation point for me when yeah. somebody loaned me like a Mark two blues junior and said, try this, you know, you, you sound good and, but you've never really played valve amps before. It's all been solid state or, you know, modeled like line six stuff through a, through a PA or, or through just like a, a power amp. Um, and i spent like a weekend with this this Mark II Blues Junior and it just blew my mind. I mean, yeah. it's 15 watts, right? But um, definitely, you know, uh, plenty of power to it. And it transformed the sound of so many of my guitars that went through it. They they just, they came to life in a, yeah. in a different way. Uh, I know some guys and, who's, yeah. I mean, like a, a beautiful friend, Connor, you know, who has, yeah, yeah. Has, who's a
0: professional guitarist, you know, has done some serious gigs and has a lot of expensive... Um, you know guitar equipment you know he mm. when he's out doing his pro gigs he's playing through custom made Cornell amplifiers mm. that he's had made you know and Cornell's made stuff for Clapton I know he's got vintage Gibson guitars. he's got vintage Fender guitars he's got a lot of expensive stuff you know mm-hmm. he he obviously you know it matters to him but yeah. when I've gigged with him on like wedding gigs and stuff like that and functions he rocks up with a blues junior you know yeah. and a couple of pedals and and he, he understands you know, that not only is it a reliable amp, but it really is a great sounding amplifier. It's not just yeah. something within a product range. It's not just something that Fender have built to satisfy an area of the market. It's a really good
1: quality instrument. Absolutely. It's a great paddle, a, pe- a pedal platform. Yes, absolutely great pedal platform. We, 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 which is which is good. Not all amps take pedals really well, but the, 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 a lot of the Fender stuff, uh, yeah. like the Blues Junior, it really does. And um, it's lightweight. It, you can always mic it up if you need more more, you know, mm-hmm. volume from it. Um, uh, but, they are they are louder the
0: than the than the, the louder than oh. the the size of it would suggest. You
1: know, for sure. For sure. You go 15 watts. But do you know what? I think, I think uh, fashions uh, are, have definitely changed in the last couple of years around guitar, amp, uh, mm. wattage as, as the determinant of whether it's any good or not, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. of course... Uh, and and I've been guilty of this as well, carrying around a four by twelve and 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 hundred watt heads, <laughs> right? Because well, I'm gigging now and I'm gigging to more than ten people, so that's clearly what I need. It's, yeah. it's a four by twelve and a half stack. You know, that's 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 what any gigging guitarist worth his is soul, yeah. you know, it should be playing with. And it's absolute nonsense, right? And you know, certainly valve hundred watt heads. You know, they're that's, that's for stats they were designed for stadiums when, mm. you know, you needed to get over the sound of the crowd and yeah. yes, they were mic'd up and things, but you know, you needed that kind of uh uh volume on stage to be able to to hear yourself before in-air monitoring yeah. or, or you know, fold back monitoring was, was around. Nowadays, um it's not fashionable, I don't think, to have those really heavily rated, high high wattage amps anymore. Mm. Um, for, for for most most people's purposes, um, just might. Well, well going back to
0: right our, our um, you know, going back to Connor, Connor's experience of playing, you know, some big stages is that he can't hear himself anyway. They, they are, the, you know, most professional gigs now they're on silent stages, you know, so that his amplifier has to be run really low volume. Everything's going through his in-ears. Some guys, you know, that's 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 why these Kempers, Axe FX, people mm-hmm. like that, that's why they've really taken off of a lot of pro mm-hmm. guitarists. It's not necessarily because they sound so good, which they do. A lot of people will say they're not a substitute for the real thing, but what they give them is the ability to satisfy that silent stage requirement that a lot of venues have now, a lot of sound engineers really like, and still get top quality sound of a cranked amp in their ears, and they barely care about the front of the house. What they care Mm. about is something that sounds Mm. real in in their ears, and it means that that sounds consistent from stage to stage as well. You know, like one guitar amp will sound really great at one venue, yeah. And you go to the next venue and actually you think, well, I just can't get it to sound right because of the rooms affecting it too much. Whereas yeah. something like a Kemper, you know, you're not impacted by the room. So, yeah.
1: But that's an expensive yeah. piece of kit, right? Yeah. Then. But that's... Um, that's a few pounds worth of stuff. You know. Yeah. And that, that's, a, that's a pro musician's tool, which is definitely, you know, gaining a name for itself. But, mm. um, you know, I, I would say if someone's wondering and struggling around, is it justifiable to spend five, 600 quid on a, on a blues junior when it's a 15 watt rated valve amp with a single, I don't know what it, what it is. Is it a 12 inch speed? 12 inch. Yeah. The 12 inch. I, I would say it is worth it. it yeah. It, that, I it, think that, so too. That will, it, it's, um, That will stand you the test of time um, Mm -hmm. for for, for many, many sessions and gigging situations and mic it up if you need more more volume. Um, It's a great great piece of kit. Um, Yeah. Cool. Well, let's wrap up. So
0: it's fun playing with cheaper kit, I think. I think that's one of the key things for me is I don't have to worry about and we've spoke about this before. Expensive stuff means something different to you, I think. It would mean mm. something different to me other than just an instrument. It would represent something else. But, you know, cheap gear is so accessible, you know, and for any guitar that you see online that you think is desirable, you can find something cheap that gets you in the ballpark as well. So I think that that's the most important thing for me about cheap kit is the accessibility of it. And um, it means that, you can always kind of emulate something you want to emulate without having to invest so much into it, whether it's in amps, pedals, guitars, whatever it is. You don't have to you know, be a snob about it. You don't have to just because somebody you like has a, you know, a proper Gibson standard or you know, a Marshall stack or whatever it is, and, you, know, you don't have to have that if you want to be emulating that sound or that person or that feeling. You know, that's what I love the most about inexpensive kit is it's accessible. And it brings something to you that, you know, you don't have to pay thousands for, you know.
1: Yeah, I, I, agree, with, I agree with that. And I think also what it allows you to do is um, spend time focusing on the playing rather than thinking about, you know, this 200-pound pedal that you've bought, 300-pound pedal that you've bought, or this... Yeah foreground guitar allows you to just plug in utilize what you've got to the best of its extent recognize that it's not you know supposed to be the the nirvana of everything and and solve all of your problems it's a Mm -hmm. cheap piece of kit or an inexpensive piece of kit to get you closer to what you're trying to do we're all going to spend our lives as guitarists searching for the perfect tone whether Mm -hmm. you've got you know half a million in the bank account to spend on it or or you know Five hundred quid. It, you will always be looking for improvements and tweaks. So, what better place than to start with some inexpensive gear that can get you some really great tones, and then find out and experiment with that to develop what it is you're really after. Before you then start to invest in, in 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 the megabucks of, of yeah. stuff that you then kind of feel that you're kind of stuck with to some extent. Um, yeah. So there's there's something in that as well. That's um, my philosophy. You know, I think. I I
0: think it's you know it's cool actually to have cheap stuff. I do. <laughs> I think it's like a finger you know a finger yeah. in the face to to people who think you know it's important to have expensive stuff and yeah yeah and it's it's not it just isn't. So yeah. if you're listening to this, you don't have to go out and spend two thousand pounds on that Gibson. Go and buy ten Harley Bentons instead.
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs>
0: Mod them all,
1: play with them all, throw them around, enjoy them. Yeah, have fun with them. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I agree, Matt. I agree. I think awesome. this is probably a part one. I think we could do. We could, I think we could do a part two yeah, on this. I think this could get, do a part two as well. I, I've got so <laughs> many pedals that I want to talk to people about that if they're thinking about spending mega bucks like I did on some of my pedals, only to then realise that it doesn't really work for you in a live situation or with other pedals that you're running into it. Um, and yeah. I found pedals that are just. Amazingly inexpensive, but have delivered the goods. So we could probably yes. run a whole session on we should definitely
0: do that. We should do that next. And I have more questions for you on kind of guitar technicalities, setup things, and stuff like that. Okay, cool. I've recently just restrung my Les Paul, which hasn't been strung for a while. I took strings <laughs> should make you laugh. I took the strings off of it. All the ball ends and the old strings were stuck inside the um you know the tailpiece. tailpiece yeah and i couldn't find my snips so i was like oh i'll just get around to it another time And it's been like that for months <laughs> <laughs> and i just this this weekend put um i just this weekend put some a set of nines on it for the first time wow on, on, your, on, on a les paul on a les paul and yeah. it hasn't really it feels good i've had to adjust the height of the saddles a bit because i think yeah. with not having it attached i think they've just kind of lost the right height so i've got them all right nothing's choking out feels great with nines cool. really does feel snappier almost yeah. you know a little bit yeah. funkier even um yeah and actually it's adding a little bit of brightness that you know i think a les paul misses in certain yeah. Yeah. situations so it's great we'll talk about that next time anyway we'll talk about that string sure. gauges yeah, so. more guitar setup stuff and pedals Absolutely. Let's yeah do that.
1: sounds great sounds great awesome well, dude look- Great to chat to you today as always as always Matt and um, have a good have a good rest of your week and yeah, look forward to speaking to you more next week about, about all Definitely
0: this. Definitely. Looking forward to it. Cool. Alright buddy, I'll speak to you soon. Take care. All the best Kieran. Ta-da mate. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. It's been a real pleasure doing this podcast for you. Remember to come and subscribe on your favourite podcast app so that you never miss a podcast in the future from Guitar Smart. And come and join us on our social media pages too. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram. And you can contact us there as well if you want to give us some feedback, some ideas for conversations, or tell us about your experiences too. Take care, everyone.